0: You're listening to Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy out along with Bruce Marshall, executive editor of the goal sheet here on Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Brucey, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good, Jimmy. What's uh what's uh what what did you take from last week's uh weekend of college football?
1: Wow, uh you know. Coaching changes um, and, and how they're impacting things. And uh, I, I've got to say, that Georgia Tech result really shocked me because it was a different Georgia Tech team than the one we had seen stumbling for uh, Jeff Collins. Uh, Wisconsin getting rid of, of Paul Chris. I knew things were kind of going sideways there, but that still caught me a little bit by surprise. Did not catch me by surprise with Carl Durrell uh getting out at uh at colorado but this stuff it's it's uh it's an epidemic now almost i mean you're getting at least one of these per week and what that's five now we had two in this past week so who's next the obvious answer is brian harson uh but maybe not maybe he'll hang on for another week or two or maybe longer but uh chris getting fired that one was not on the radar before last week so Um, It just shows how uh, treacherous this is. I I can't get over the fact this used to be something that only happened in the NFL. You rarely saw college coaches get dismissed during the season. I, I mean, Frank Cush long ago at Arizona State, that was one of the only ones I remember for years. Now, though, it's a regular occurrence and you don't see it happening too much in the NFL, but it's certainly a real thing in college football.
0: Well, well, NFL, is not a, a ton has changed, okay, but it's a lot of things that have changed in college football. Oh, yeah. Early signing period, sure. transfer portal are the biggest things, and I mean, you, it's uh, there, there's some there's some teams that think you you get a jump and you can get out there and maybe salvage your roster because uh, your roster is under siege when you make a coaching change, yep. and. I, you know, I mean, I gotta believe they're they're looking to do it uh, right now. So, we'll see. But um, I think places like Florida and LSU, where resource rich, expe- high expectation, high resource programs like Florida and LSU, both are top ten jobs in college football. Their their rosters are big time compromised this year, uh, Bruce, and they can attract. Uh, even late in the game, some guys that will want to come from smaller schools to play in the SEC and play on that big stage and get more exposure and have you know more resources at, at their, uh, their you know for them. But I mean, it, there's some holes in, in those two rosters. We'll see. Speaking of LSU, what about Tennessee and LSU? It's crawfish omelets and bourbon and Cheerios, Bruce, for 11 a.m. local start in Tiger Stadium. Tennessee coming in off of a bye week. Next week, they host Alabama. Vols are undefeated and in the top ten, laying three.
1: They needed that week off last week because they they were banged up and uh – uh, after uh, the uh, Florida game, and Hendon Hooker was too. he had His, his shoulder was kind of sore, so they needed that week off. But they're right there where Josh Heupel wants them right now. This offense still runs hyperspeed. They should get their top receiver back this week, so it's still all systems go for Tennessee. They're just, uh, the season really a lot, uh, every week is big in the SEC, but these two are particularly big. I'm a little worried about going against LSU, and I'll tell you why. Uh, they're showing something here that I think is, is very interesting. They are playing uh, They're playing from behind, and they're showing a lot of spunk. Uh, I mean, they were. I don't know, this, this is not a great Auburn team, I know, but when you're down 17 points in Jordan-Hare and you come back, that's pretty darn good. They made a big rally from double-digit down against Mississippi State a few weeks ago and beat them, and that's a good Mississippi State team. They came back on Florida State in the opener and probably should have won that game, should have got that into overtime, but they were well behind. That's something we got to keep in mind with LSU. They fight from behind, and I give Coach Kelly a lot of credit for that. But to, to, to be a stretch runner, you need the, the front runner to fade a little bit, and I'm not sure that Tennessee's going to give LSU that chance here this week. I can see Tennessee jumping out ahead and and LSU making a run, especially if Daniels is okay. He's a little banged up. they got to watch him running the ball so much because I think that's, that's one of the reasons he came out of the game last week, got banged up. Uh, But as long as he's in there, and maybe Nussmaier can do it, too, if they have to go with him. LSU's going to make a run at these guys late. I'm just not sure it's going to be enough. Uh, So our score forecast was 37-29, Tennessee. I think they survived this one, but not without a scare, because LSU, like I said, they they make these games interesting.
0: Bruce, you say uh, LSU's got to watch how much they run Jaden Daniels. They're passing plays. He won't throw the damn ball. Yeah. Okay? And so, a wide receivers and quarterback... Players-only meeting this year, Well, um, in this week. When Booty uh only catches one ball for seven yards, dude, let the ball throw. He will not let it go. And it's not me. It's not the coach who Brian Kelly admitted in his press conference. It's everybody in the city of Baton Rouge who is yelling and screaming at this guy, throw the damn ball. So everybody wants him to throw the ball more, but he has to do it. Uh, himself. Let's move on. Talking about game day. How about this? The popular on-site uh pregame show is in Lawrence, Kansas. There were once eight Power Five uh campuses that they had never visited. Now it's down to seven. TCU, top uh, number two in the country in yards per play offense, top twenty-five in yards per play defense. Kansas was held to under 200 yards last week. Iowa State, the field place kicker for Iowa State, missed three fourth-quarter field goals. They hang on. They're the Kansas Magic, they're catching six-and-a-half at home against TCU.
1: Yeah, who would have thought ESPN uh, game day would ever show up at Lawrence without Jay Billis? Because they do it, they do it in basketball sometimes at the fog uh, next door to the football stadium. But uh, here they are. By the way, the most popular guy in Kansas and not if the whole region, the whole uh, central time zone right now is Lance Leopold. I mean, he's getting the Wisconsin job has opened up. He's a Wisconsin guy. You know, he coached at Whitewater all those years and won the championships up there. Uh, he is top on Barry uh, Barry Alvarez's list. Nebraska is going to make a call to him. So he's going to have some decisions to make, although he says he's very happy right now at Kansas. And why not? They're undefeated. They're doing everything right. They've won games differently. You're right. The offense didn't do much. Daniels didn't have a great game last week, but he did uh, uh, only 213 yards. But the defense did make that happened against Iowa State and of course the field goals too but they're finding different ways to win this offense was scoring points galore uh, a few weeks ago against Houston and West Virginia those road wins and those are good wins on the road so they've shown they can win in some different ways they, this streak is now point spread wise it's now eight straight dating back to late last season that includes a cover against TCU uh, last November and of course you know the 5-0 and straight up start TCU Got something cooking here. I I tell you what, I have always liked Max Duggan at quarterback. He is a tough hombre. He is tough to bring down when he runs, but he's throwing a lot better, and he's seeing things a lot more clearly now in this Sonny Dykes offense. You know, Sonny was uh, using three quarterbacks that opening game against Colorado, and uh, due to injuries and other things, he's now kind of settled on Duggan, and he's very happy that he has. They have got track team-like speed. On this team. I will point this out though about TCU and about Dykes in particular. His teams, especially the SMU teams in recent years, had a tendency to start very quickly. I mean, the first month of the season, they look like the Kansas City Chiefs. SMU did that in recent years too. TCU is looking the same way. Uh, let's see if they can that if they can sustain that some. I I think what Leopold's defense will be able to do is kind of keep Duggan from scrambling out of the pocket where he's capable of going on a long run like he did last week that sixty-seven yard score. And this offense uh, had almost five hundred yards by halftime last week against Oklahoma. I mean, he he uh, took his foot off the accelerator in the second half, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen this week. I think Kansas slows the pace down a little bit. I think their defense keeps Duggan somewhat contained. And I am not going to bet against Kansas until they either, one, lose a game or don't cover a point spread. Neither has happened yet. So I'm going to go with the Lance Leopold magic again. 32-29 Kansas. Keep it rolling here for the um, Jayhawks. And uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, let's see what happens.
0: Both teams undefeated against the spread uh, this year. So in both the quarterbacks... You know, Dugan uh, for uh, TCU, 11 TDs, no interceptions uh, so far. And uh, Jalen Daniels, 11 TDs in only one interception. Both have multiple scores uh, with their legs as well. Uh, Duggan with uh, a couple and Daniels with five. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a, lot, a little competitive balance uh, in college football. Always nice. And you know what? Dykes is one of those first-year coaches in a transfer portal era that is doing quite nicely in his first year. It is tough to do. Uh, Go to the Big Ten and uh, Michigan, uh, a very popular team uh, with our uh, Bet Revers uh, customers. They're laying 22 and a half on the road here in Indiana. Indiana was a COVID year, an outlier uh, for uh, Tom Allen and the Indiana Hoosiers. And Jim Harbaugh has been very profitable in this bully spot here, uh, Bruce.
1: Uh, he has. And, uh, Tom Allen though, you know, it's interesting. I, I, would seen him up at, at, at big 10 media days. And, and this guy is, is so intense. I mean, even when, even when he's talking to the press, I got the feeling even then, like, you know, at at some point he's going to start wearing pretty thin uh, on his team because you, you just can't have that sort of glare looking at you all the time, but that's what he's, what he certainly does. Um, and uh, they you know, they didn't score in the second half last week against Nebraska, which had not really been stopping anybody. So uh, so I mean, things are not going all that great there. I mean, thats like the transfer from Missouri in there at quarterback. Um, Michigan keeps doing it. I mean, that wasn't pretty last week, but it was pretty enough. Blake Corum is a touchdown machine. I mean, he's averaging about two touchdowns per game running the the football. Maybe he's on the periphery of the Heisman discussion there. Um, Harbaugh just keeps on doing it, and uh, you know they uh, they lost a game in the COVID year here, and that's the only that was the first time Michigan had lost a game to Indiana in 33 years. And I remember that game in '87 when Bill Mallory won that 14 to 10. Uh, Indiana, 3-15 and 15 against the spread its last 18 games. Uh, I think Allen might be coaching himself into into trouble, and we know Harbaugh keeps rolling here. The offense will score enough points, and if Indiana's defense uh, struggles like it did in the second half against uh, Nebraska, they're going to lose touch here. 41-16, score forecast. So we're laying a lot of points here with Michigan, but like you said, uh, and everybody else is seeing the same thing that I'm seeing and that you're probably seeing, too. They cover a lot of numbers, and Indiana is a go-against proposition until further notice.
0: All right, uh, Bruce, let's get to the Pac-12. And uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson has cleaned things up a little bit, at least in one game. It's hard to tell from the, uh, the historically light uh, pre- uh, non-conference schedule that they have, but they look great against Washington, 40-16, to 16, and then they kind of coast uh, to the finish line last Friday night. Uh, Utah comes to town as a four-point favorite. Cameron Rising in uh, Utah. You know, when we talked about this in the Pac-12 preview, uh, arguably they are, uh, Kyle Winningham's uh, best team that he's had, and they've recovered nicely from that uh, Florida loss to start the season. But they are better at home than they are on the road. Interesting game here. Are we sold? That DTR is fifth year starting. has cleaned things up on a uh, on a sustained basis. Utah is four at the Rose Bowl.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sold. And I, and I think they've actually got two good wins here. Uh, Washington, obviously. I think South Alabama was a good win. And I know it was close, and I know they didn't cover the point spread, but that's a good win. They've got two better wins than, than anything USC's got, by the way, right now. So UCLA is still under the radar a bit, even though they got in the ratings this week, in the rankings this week. And DTR, yeah, I mean, we've seen this from him. when his His whole deal is just durability, staying healthy. He was he was not healthy last year for this game he didn't play at Salt Lake City last year and Garber's the backup in, as a freshman came in didn't put up bad numbers but UCLA ended up losing touch in that game 4424 it wasn't they were within 35 24 in the fourth quarter and then uh, Utah scored the last two scores of the game <clears throat> so I I don't in the, in recent years this has been an all Utah series they've won five straight they scored at least 41 in every game. DTR is something special, but I t- here's what I think the difference in this UCLA team is this year. It was Chip bringing in Bill McGovern uh, from the NFL, from the bears as his defensive coordinator, Um uh, And he's brought some different schemes and different things. You saw them make Penix very uncomfortable. And that was a little misleading. Washington late last week. Washington never had the ball last week uh, closer than two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. UCLA was playing a little loose. This is a much better UCLA defense than in the past. And I'm not sure, you know, Thomas, they, they ran on UCLA last year. I'm not sure it's going to be that easy this time. UCLA has Robinson to make plays and to keep possessions alive. And they got a little magic about them. And they're playing with a chip on their shoulder because they still think the national media is overlooking them. And I have to think they are correct. I think UCLA gets them this week. They're going to break that losing streak to Utah. 34-31 Bruins. I think DTR is a peripheral Heisman candidate if he continues to stay healthy and post those sorts of numbers. And this is a big one for Chip. And I think because his defense is better this year, they've got a chance to score the mild upset.
0: All right, let's stay in the Big Ten, and we'll go to Tucson, Arizona. And, you know, we're doing the Pac-12 preview and listening to some, kind of reading some uh, opposing coaches in the uh, Pac-12. And they're talking about the second-year coach for uh, uh, Arizona and saying, Kind of watch this guy a little bit. He is really active in the transfer uh, transfer portal. Well, he certainly was, and he he tabbed uh, Delara uh, from uh, Washington State. He's thrown for three twenty seven a game. Uh, they jumped out. You know, San Diego State is not good this year, but they took care of them. And uh, they were somewhat competitive against Mississippi State, but three failed fourth down attempts. Those are basically turnovers. Three more real turnovers. That's six of them. That's a a state's too good of a team uh, to come back from that as that game got away from them in the fourth quarter. Kind of feel like Arizona in the desert here could kind of hang around. Good bow, bad bow. Is he another quarterback, Bruce, uh, with a lot of experience that is cleaning things up as well? First game against an SEC opponent? No. Two first quarter, first down interceptions against Georgia. Oregon's rebounded pretty nicely, though, from that. Oregon is 13 on the road at Tucson.
1: Yes, and uh, it has been the good bow the last uh, four weeks. Twelve, uh, he's done 12 TD passes and just one pick since the Georgia game, so he's played better. The schedule's also broken a little bit nicely for Oregon in the last few weeks uh, too. And they were for Even Phil Knight can tell you though that they were fortunate as heck to win that game up at Washington State. That was a good win. But they didn't cover, uh, and it was wild the last of two minutes there. But they've got some vulnerabilities. But I'm glad you mentioned that about Jed Fish at Arizona. Last year, they did not have a quarterback last year. And the stuff that Fish wants to run, very progressive offensive mind. He'd been in the NFL the last couple of years. He had been at Michigan. He had been UCLA's coordinator when uh, Josh Rosen was there. You can tell now that he's got Delora, the fellow you mentioned from Washington State, putting up all sorts of nice numbers and that Mississippi state game, it was a one score game until right at the end of the third quarter, they had a bad pick. And you mentioned the four fourth downs that didn't go well. And and the Cal game, the next week Cal broke a couple of long runs and it just sort of started going sideways for them, but they bounced back really nice against the buffs last week. I think they got a shot here. The, the concern down in Tucson is up front. Are they going to be able to stand up to Oregon for the entire game? And that might be difficult. Oregon does have a lot of offense still, and and I think they're going to score some points. But I think Arizona's going to chase them here. And because of Delora and because you're down in the desert, and oh, by the way, um, Oregon has failed to cover its last five point spreads away from Autzen Stadium. They have not traveled all that well. is going to be a fight for Oregon. And I think they're going to be fortunate to get out of there alive and they are not going to get a point spread W. All on Arizona here. Score forecast we had in the sheet was thirty-nine thirty-seven ducks. So I think they survived, but they ain't not going to cover this number. I think uh, Arizona's a really good look here plus the points.
0: All right. Uh Bama, twenty four over A and L. Do I need to go this point spread tells me that uh, Bryce Young is going to play. Um we know about the spat between Jimbo and Nick back in the summer. Uh, I would have laid, uh, would put put the odds a game day would be in Tuscaloosa this weekend at six to five. Uh, but uh, against the field, but it's in Lawrence. Um, that was that was way off. And the one thing though, Bruce, you know, Saban has already reached out to Jimbo. They've kind of made their peace. Damaged on, okay, but. There is no rules and everything's, uh everything's fair game in recruiting, okay love war and recruiting and one thing I think that uh, maybe tells me that uh, Nick he wants to beat him 57 to seven instead of 27 to seven is the recruiting do you uh, do you buy in because A and m and I yell assisted or not okay that got to Sabin. and that's why he made those comments trying to uh, uh, build up some more NIL budget with the booster meeting that somebody caught on tape
1: yeah I mean that, that's like a political uh, you know hit there I mean he's just talking to a bunch of boosters and here it goes viral but uh I think and Nick was right in what he said and Jimbo should have said, that's right. It's all legal now, Nick. Right. Don't tell me you're not doing it too. So, uh, whatever, here's the deal on something like this. And I'm sure Jimbo and Nick or Nick has reached out and, 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 you know, maybe they've patched things up. Players read this stuff too. And every, everybody on the Alabama roster has got a little, a little amped up a little bit more than normal this week. They would also like to beat Texas A&M 57 to seven if they could. Uh, Listen, Jimbo is going to be up there. In the age of nil and Jimbo, uh, A&M is going to be up there every year. And so I think they're going to be fine in recruiting unless they don't find a quarterback. And right now, I'm not sure Jimbo has one. And his recruits have not worked out that great. Uh, Some have washed out. Some have transferred. The quarterback who worked best for him was a guy he inherited from Kevin Sumlin. That was Kellen Mond. So that's got those uh, those uh, the uh, the A and M crowd a little bit worried there, and I've I've said this many times, and even on the on the podcast here. This reminds me of Jackie Sherrill at A and M back in the '80s. Got him to a certain point, and then they plateaued, and then started to go sideways, and all that money they paid for him ended up not being uh, what they were expecting. He doesn't have a real quarterback to do things. He had to go back to Max, uh, back to Haynes King because uh, Max Johnson got banged up last week. Max Johnson wasn't putting up numbers much better than Haynes King. They have got a problem. Their offense is just not there. And by the way, if if, if Jalen Milrow has to play again, he looked like the reincarnation of Bob Hayes uh, in that sprint down the, <laughs> He's got the sideline. He's uh, I mean, he is fast. And how yeah. about Jameer Gibbs? When I mean, we talk about uh, working the portal, uh, Georgia Tech, you know why know. they were so sad when they lost him. I mean, over 200 yards last week. Bottom line, I think Bama gets there. I think his players want to take care of uh, A&M this week, and that's the most important thing, too. 45-16 Alabama. I do not want any bit of Texas A&M here.
0: Did you t- uh, mention Georgia Tech when we were talking SEC? Bruce, you know, do know that they're not in the SEC anymore. But let's go to Georgia Tech. My Damn it, they got me last week. I got under three and a half on their win total. I was almost counting my my money. How did they win at Pitt? Well, you know, Arizona State, those players played a lot, uh, played hard at USC after they made a coaching change. Well, after Jeff Collins was let go, Georgia Tech players did as well. Now they come back home hosting Duke, a much improved, talking about a first-year coach. And uh, listen, and Cutcliffe did an amazing job in Durham. But it got stale. This is a really good hire. Duke is way better. Duke is three in Atlanta, Bruce.
1: Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, Nick Saban knows the portal. He can look anywhere. He can look look in the ACC, look at Georgia Tech, find his running back. And uh, that really was a great hire, great to get for Nick. And Georgia Tech, you wonder, if it was this easy for Georgia Tech, you know, to turn things around, they should have fired Collins a few weeks before maybe. Uh, but uh, they did make a move last week. What they did in that game against um, uh, in that game up at Pitt last week, they they sort of flipped the script with Key um, in their play calling last week. They ran over two to one last week. After prior to that, I mean, they were throwing the ball a little bit too much with with Sims, and you, and I think Sims is still a little bit erratic. So they had to change that a little bit, and so I think that caught Pitt a little bit by surprise in that game. Uh, here's the deal, though. I, I, you've still got to remember that Georgia Tech has failed to cover the spread in 18 of its last 24 games. So I still think this that might have been a one-off last week. I think Mike Elko, we're, we're talking about some other coaches around the country. This was a home run hire for Duke. And they caught a break, I think, because from what we heard, uh, they had also offered this job to Tony Elliott off of Dabo's staff. Elliott took the Virginia job instead. And uh, Elko is kind of their second pick off of Jimbo Staff at a uh, and But Elko has, has got a lot of chops defensively. He'd been at Notre Dame before that. He had been at Wake Forest, so he knows this region. And he looks like a tremendous hire. Uh, and they had gone stale for, for Cutcliffe. Riley Leonard, their quarterback, is putting up some numbers that Cutcliffe would have been happy for. But here's the difference with Elko last year this was a this 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 defense ranked 130 and last year I think there was only 130 before James Madison came in as a new FPS member that was as low as you could go last year they are up to 71 now in total defense so from 130 to 71 I mean they have made that leap uh, this year and that is totally due to Elko uh, they're a real team this year and they all you know they pushed Kansas too that's uh, a couple weeks ago that's their only loss. Duke 3219. I'm going to ride these guys for a while. I think Elko is my stealth uh, coach of the year. Long shot here. I know Lance Leopold's probably leading that race, but this guy is doing it. And from the new coaches, and we talked about Sonny Dykes and some of the others, Elko's doing as good a job as anybody. And I'm riding Duke until further notice.
0: All right. Uh, also, uh, Bruce, any, anybody in a group of five uh, that catches your attention this week? Yeah,
1: there's a game Friday night, and this is interesting. Okay. Uh, it's the Jay Norvell Bowl uh, uh, in Reno. He comes back from Colorado State to Nevada from where he left. You mentioned that about you know finding the holes in your roster there, and uh, both of these would qualify for that. I, I'd say Colorado State a bit more because it's a completely different roster from last year. He brought some guys with him from Nevada uh, to to uh, uh, to Fort Collins, but I mean it's a mess, and they have they have lost and failed to cover in progressively worse uh, efforts um millen is quarterback he one of the quarterbacks who came from nevada didn't play much at nevada but one of his transfers got hurt in the sacramento state game again the rams lost 41 to 10 had to go with the freshman they had a week off prior to last week uh, prior to, to friday night they are going really bad and and i think i don't buy the fact that uh this is an advantage for colorado state because norvell used to coach at nevada i think nevada felt jilted by that And the players who are left, and this is a pretty new roster that Ken Wilson has too. But that plays in Nevada's favor too, that Norvell's coming back. You'll get a better effort from them. Their best... Efforts this year have been better than Colorado State's. Nevada hasn't looked all that terrible thus far. And they've got a 6'9 quarterback who looks like he should be playing basketball. Cox would be a very interesting watch. This will be on TV Friday night. And Tawa, the running back, is a real running back. Uh, Nevada gets them here because Colorado State is horrible right now. Twenty-six fourteen, Wolfpack will howl in Reno on uh, Friday night.
0: All right, 10.30 Eastern uh, kickoff on Fox Sports 1 on Friday night. That'll be uh, 7.30 uh, Pacific time, Nevada and Colorado State. Recap of Bruce's picks, Nevada minus 3.5, uh, Duke minus 3, Arizona plus 13, uh, Tennessee minus 3, Michigan minus 22.5, Kansas plus 6.5, UCLA plus 4, and Bama minus twenty four. For Bruce Marshall, I'm Jimmy Odd on of sports better's paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.